The title of my message today is Driven from Men. Nebuchadnezzar encountered God three times. The first time he encountered God was in a dream. The second time he encountered God was in the fire. And this is the third time he encountered God. And this is the time he encountered God also in a dream, but then at the end in a different state of mind. Why this is important? The first encounter with God I call it a dream encounter. You, at one point in your life, before you knew God, you come to know God and you go, oh, God is so different, so mysterious. He is beyond my ability to understand. So you need someone who had been with God to come to you and explain to you who God was. And after they explain to you and you go, oh, so that's who God is. That's wonderful. Or if you got someone who doesn't know God very well, explain it to you and you go, what? Who's, who's God again? So depends on your encounter with God, but hopefully all of you here had a dramatic encounter with God. You, God is in heaven. I'm on earth. One day I will meet my maker. I hope that he will look at me and say, well done, you can come with me. Whereas the other exchange would be, God will look at you and will say, I don't know who you are. And guess where you go at that time when he does not recognize you? You will go to that place the Bible calls everlasting damnation. That's the first encounter. But unfortunately, many, many people around us only had that one encounter. And they walk away thinking that they know God and that's good enough. That encounter is never enough. It is your introduction to God. When you realize that there is a God, and there you are, this great gap between you and God. You have not come to a place where you recognize God is your God. Remember, when Ruth recognized that Naomi has her God, there was a time when she said, your God will be my God. So Nebuchadnezzar recognized that there was a God, but God was not his God. So the first encounter, that dream encounter, is the encounter that all of you here, I can guarantee that you had an encounter, that encounter with God. But that did not save Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar had the second encounter with God, an encounter of disposition. He realized that God was so different than him. God has his throne, God has his power. He recognized that God's powerful, God is mighty. And then he also recognized that he also have a kingdom. He also have subjects. His life is just fine without God. And then he threw these three young men into the fire. And here comes God coming out of the fire. God is powerful. But my life is still good. I'm still okay without God. This is the predominant mindset of a lot of Christians today. You recognize that God is powerful. You might have come into church. You might have sit there. You might have seen, oh, we prayed for someone. They got healed. God is so powerful. But I got my life. God got his. I maybe show up to church once a while. or I might come to church on a regular basis. But God can do his thing. And I will go on to do my thing. His kingdom, my kingdom, very different. Nebuchadnezzar had his own kingdom. And his kingdom was the greatest kingdom on earth at the time. He was fine without worshiping God. He acknowledged there is a God. Yes, God delivers. Yes, God is powerful. Yes, God is awesome. Yes, 
And here comes the third encounter in what I call destiny. This is what will happen to you if God does not recognize you. You see, it's not that you recognize God. The question is, will God recognize you? And that determines your destiny. So not a lot of Christians today who go to church will have a different destiny than the one that Nebuchadnezzar will have here. Nebuchadnezzar turned into an animal in this story. That's his destiny. He encountered God, but God did not recognize him. He recognized God. How many of you here recognize God? All of you here recognize God. How many of you here can clearly say, God recognizes me? That is scary, right? Because we don't know. We know because we recognize God and we can say, I recognize God. I know who God is. I can tell you where he is in the Bible. But how many of you here can say, God recognizes me? Because if God does not recognize me, the Bible says, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I know you not. So unless God recognizes you, what happens is your heart will turn into a heart of a beast. You see, we have one chance. You and I, we have only one chance in our lives to do one thing that is most important for your soul and for your future. And that is to get God's recognition. That's the only thing that you need to do now and forever is that God recognizes you. So whether it be, God, here I am, save me. Or whether it be on your knees, God, I am a sinful person, save me. Whatever it is, you need to make absolutely certain that God recognizes you because that is for you. And when God recognizes you, he will tell you. I will tell you this, God knows me. God recognizes me. I can't tell you whether or not God recognizes you. God has to tell you. Have you have a vision with God and God recognizes you. In the end, God recognizes everyone, but only the one who are his servants, his children, will go with him. And those that he deem not his servant or his children will not go with him. Destiny, your destiny with God, driven from men. Why? Because in the end, when it's all said and done, every one of us will be driven from men. There's given to us one time in our lives to get to know God and that God recognizes us. After that, it's over. So we will be driven from men. We will be driven to our death. We'll be driven from the face of the earth. Nebuchadnezzar was driven from men because his heart was changed. He was no longer man. He became an animal. We are driven from men because we became God's servants. As we believe in God and become God's servant, we are driven from men. Look at the life of Jesus Christ. No one received him. He was driven and ultimately he was driven to the cross. Think that your friend like you? How many of you think that your friends like you? They adore you. You are in for a big surprise because everyone is out there for themselves. They like you because there's some benefit that they will draw from you, but in the end, they just want them to be at the top. So you think that your friends like your picture because they like you? You know this. You don't do that because you think that that person looks pretty. You do that because they will respond to what you do. That's why you think that they care about you. But 
Really, you don't care about everyone else. In the end, we are so selfish creatures that we don't care about anyone else. We only care about ourselves. And when we come to realize that, you're all alone. We don't know that when everyone is around us, they come, they party with us, and then in the end, what happened? You look around and all you see are pigs. And then you pick up the pig food and you eat, and even they don't let you eat that. And then you're driven from that, and then you come back to your father's house. We all are given one chance to live this life. And this is our chance. You've been given a heart. And think about this. Your heart is a heart of a man right now. It's malleable. It's teachable. It can be just like a little child. It grows up. It doesn't speak any language. So you begin to speak to the child in Swahili. And guess what the child will learn to speak when they grow up? Swahili. I actually thought that, that that's a pretty cool language. If I would learn a language, I would learn Swahili. It's, it sounds very musical and very poetic. If you teach a child English, you grow up and learn English. This is a time in our lives when we are able to learn. And our heart is to be shaped by our environment. There will come a time when your heart is unable to teach anymore. And the reason why is because it's been turned into whether it will turn into a heart of a beast or it will turn into a heart of a child of God. There will be a time in your life when you're no longer able to learn. Your heart is closed off and is unable to learn. This is the point where Nebuchadnezzar comes to the place where the crossroad in his life where his heart is either going to change to become a son of God or change into become a beast. And you know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? His heart was changed into a beast. Your heart and my heart right now is able to be changed. Now some of us have been changed into the sons and daughters of God. Some of us have not. Some of us are still in this mode that we are teachable until our heart is hardened and turned into a heart of a beast and then we cannot be turned back. This is a, a message of warning for all of us. Because there is a time we are a student, and there is a time I walk back into middle school, and I say, and they ask me, why am I here? I said, I'm a student. And they say, get out of here. You're too old. You don't belong here anymore. There is this time when you can come to God, and God will still speak to you, and you can still understand, and God begins to shape and form you. And if you obey, your heart will be turned into a renewed heart. But if your heart is closed off, there will be a time when you're too old, you're too hardened, you can't learn anymore, and God will no longer make sense to you. You have seen these people. You know who they are, and it could be you. Take this message as a warning. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar is this. God warns him. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and in this dream he saw this big tree, and the tree grows so tall that it reaches heaven, and the leaves were beautiful, and there were fruit on the tree, and it provides shade to a lot of people, this magnificent tree. And then, in the dream, it got cut down. And then he wakes up, and he said, it's just a stump left. There's nothing left. It's just a stump. What's happening in this dream? It's unlike the dream that he saw before where the statue of this golden head, this silver body, all these, it's a different dream now. And this dream disturbed him, so he went to this guy, and his name is Belteshazzar. Anyone know who that guy is? 
That's Daniel. Thank you for reading your Bible. Yes, that's Daniel's Balthasar. That's a actually a pretty cool name. What's happening in my dream? King, this is your dream. Your dream is that you have grown so big, so magnificent, and you think you can make it on your own. You're full of pride. Guess what? There will come a time when God's going to chop all that down, and all you're going to have left is this stump. I drive by Penitentiary Creek. There was a time when there's no water there, and now there's some water there. But I look along the bank, I see stumps, trees that have been cut down, freshly cut down. And I thought, why do people cut down trees? Don't we need more trees? Big trees cut down. Why? They get cut down. And I thought, at one time, these trees are so big and so majestic. There are several reasons, probably hazards, probably fallen over power lines. When I drive through there, I see these stumps, and I feel so sad. Your life, everything you built up to a point where it gets cut down, and all you got left is a stump. And Nebuchadnezzar wake up and said, what is going on? And Daniel said this, you will be cut down. Your heart will be changed into a beast. You will go out and you will eat grass and live outside unless you do this. In verse 27, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. So that's what he's saying. There are things that you need to do in your life that you're not doing right now. You're living your life without the knowledge of who God is. And God says, you need to turn away from your sins. You need to turn away from your wickedness and return to the Lord. Or you will be turned into a beast. God comes to us today in dreams and in visions. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he said this, And it shall come to pass in the days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and the young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is how God speaks. God will speak to you in visions and in dream. How many of you today see a vision from the Lord? How many of you here see dreams that come from the Lord? If you don't, God's not speaking to you. And of course, you ask the question, why isn't God speaking to me? I'll tell you two reasons why God is not speaking to you. Number one, you're not reading the Word of God. And number two, you're not praying, you're not fasting. God speaks through his word. Daniel chapter 9, he was doing what when God showed up? What was he doing? He was studying Jeremiah, a prophet studying another prophet. You see how important that is? If you're not studying the word of God, God will never speak to you in vision or in dream. Even though he promised in the last day, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Those that seek him, not those that go on in their lives, do not acknowledge who God is. Daniel was reading the Word of God. He was studying. That's why we place so much emphasis in the studying of the Word of God. If you study the Word of God, it gives you an opportunity to hear what God is saying because God speaks through His Word. If He speaks and you don't understand because you have not read His Word. Secondly, there's a story of a man, his name is Peter. God came to him in ways of a vision in an angel on top of the roof. What was he doing? He was doing two things. He was fasting and he was praying. And God came up to him and said, in a dream, not once, not twice, but three 
times, specifically what happens to him. God do speak, but have you heard from God? If you have not read and studied the word of God, God will not speak to you unless you spend your time studying the word of God. And God will not speak to you unless you spend time in prayer and fasting. Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it's good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has brought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom and dominion is from the generation to generation. It sounds like high praise to me. It sounds like something that someone here can sing about. This comes from a man who will eventually be turned into an animal. This comes from the lips of a king. Can you even say this? Can you even come up with this? Look, Nebuchadnezzar knows God. Nebuchadnezzar is so close to recognize he's probably thinking about God, but not in the way that he should. So he knows God intellectually. Like most of you here sitting here, you can sing the songs, you can quote the Bible passages, you can say the things that Nebuchadnezzar is saying, but in the end, will your heart get turned into a beast like Nebuchadnezzar? He's praising the Lord. And because of that, God's giving him an opportunity to see a vision. And he saw a vision, and then he doesn't know what to deal with it. And the vision of God come in this form. Usually when God speaks to you is what he wants you to do. That's what I have not seen. And I've heard many prophets come and say, you know what? God's going to make you the richest woman in the world. Well, I'm telling you, that's not God. Why would God make you the richest woman? What for? You don't even know God. You don't even worship. I have people prophesy over me things that God is happy with you. And I'm thinking, how can God be happy with me? Prophecy and vision come to you when God wants you to do something. And usually it's corrective, meaning God wants you to change your life. So when you want to come near to the Lord and you want to ask God, God, what do you want from me? God usually say, this is what I want you to do, son. This is what I want you to do. This is how God speaks. And God told Nebuchadnezzar, this is your life, and I want you to change your life. And the way I want you to change your life is do two things. Turn from your sins and learn righteousness. Do what is right and show mercy. This is what God wants us to do. And that's how God's going to speak. So if anyone come to you today or any time will tell you God is happy with you, God is happy with his children all the time. That doesn't have to be said. When God speaks, God has specific instruction. And if you are not the son or daughter of God, the only thing God's telling you to do is this. Turn from your sin and repent. That's all he's going to say. Otherwise, nothing can happen in your life unless you turn from your sin and repent. Nothing can happen in your life. So if you are not hearing from the Lord, well, you are hearing from the Lord today. Turn from your sin and repent. That is the word of the Lord for you. Nebuchadnezzar has this vision, and the vision comes to him, it disturbed him, and uh, Belteshazzar or Daniel came to him and said, Turn from your sin, repent, do what is righteous, show mercy. That's what you need to do. Nebuchadnezzar did what? So he thought about it for a minute and he said, Don't let this trouble you, Daniel. 
the vision that you have troubled me. You know, I see what you are seeing, and it troubles me. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, let that not trouble you. Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen to me. Look at my kingdom. Everything is fine right now. Look at my life. Everyone's depending on me. Look at me. I'm beautiful. Nothing can happen to a beautiful person, can it? We think that we are safe. We think that we're secure and God's speaking to us and we just keep ignoring God. Said so nothing is going to happen. My life is fine right now. But wait, just wait. It will happen very sudden. The end will come. This is not a, a friendly message by any stretch of imagination, but it's a warning because it's important that you realize that your life right now is not all right. We can't continue to live our lives without acknowledging God and obeying Him. We need to come to a place where we obey God, God's directing us, and God's telling us what we need to do. If you, we are living in sin, we need to stop. If we are committing sin, committing iniquity and wickedness, we need to stop because there will be a time of judgment that will come. So what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar said, don't let it worry you, Daniel. It's okay. Look at me. Everything is fine. Look at my kingdom. Look at my dominion. Everything is fine. Why? Because his heart, Nebuchadnezzar's heart, is full of pride. Pride is something that we don't realize. But how many of you have ever looked at yourself and say, gee, don't I look lovely? It's a form of pride because we have such high esteem about ourselves. We say, wow, I don't look half as bad. I'm actually a beautiful person. What you're saying is you're putting your dependency or you're putting your life, you are leaning it on your own ability. And that is pride. And what Nebuchadnezzar does is not unlike a lot of us doing today. He said, look at my life. Look at my kingdom. Everyone is worshiping me. Look, my life is fine. Why do I need to change the way that I live? And God just says, but you don't know. All these things are going to get cut down. And one day, you look at yourself and you see this sad stump that's left. And God said, he doesn't want that to happen. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. This is the heart of God. Now, if you and I, we know that Nebuchadnezzar was the king that was pretty harsh on the kingdom of Judah. The last king that came from the kingdom of Judah, what did he do to him? He poked out his eyes. Before he poked out his eyes, killed all the, the king's children right before him, and then put out his eyes. Those are the last images that he saw before he went blind pretty nasty king. If you are Daniel, all you think about is, could God punish this king? We look at all the people around us, all the wicked people, and I think, can God just punish all these wicked people? But this is not the heart of God at all. This is not the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should perish? This is our God. See? God does not want the wicked to die. This is not our God. God wants to save. Now, if God wanted the wicked to die, we won't be here. Remember, when Stephen was stoned to death, who was there? A young man, his name was Saul. And what did he do? He was guarding the clothes of the people who were stoning Stephen to death. Do we want him to die? We want him to die. 
Look at this guy. And then the next chapter, what did he do? He went on to from church to church to church, pull people out, beat people, throw them in jail, and kill people. We want this guy to die. And then he turned out to be the Apostle Paul. God's not willing that the wicked should die. That's not our God. God wants to save. So as much as I want Nebuchadnezzar to be punished by God, return the children of Israel back to their homeland, not in God's heart. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 said, God is not slack concerning his promise. What he said he would do, as some count on slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. This is the heart of God. God wants his children to come and repent before it's too late. When pride comes, the one thing that pride would do in your life is that pride will harden your heart. That's what it does. So when pride comes, when you say, look at me, I'm strong, what does that do? That will put a layer stone around your heart and cause your heart to be so callous to a point where your heart becomes completely callous and what I'm selling you today makes no difference to you like a Christian in complete armor in a different kind of armor the armor that the Word of God cannot penetrate into your life and you are impervious to conviction you're impervious to repentance and whatever you hear will not come into your heart and because your heart has been hardened and be careful, because when your heart is hardened, you are no longer man. And this is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. They will drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and shall make you to eat grass like oxen. And they shall wet thee with the dew of the heaven seven times pass over you until you know that the Most High rule in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will. The reason that God wants to do this is because God in the end will show that he is God. There is a place for you to repent, but if you go beyond that, if your heart is so hardened that you will not repent, there will come a place where you will never repent. Repentance is only given to men, to people. Repentance is not given to animal. Animal cannot repent. When Nebuchadnezzar's heart of a man is changed into that of a beast, he can never repent. Now be careful because our hearts, when it's so hardened up, it gets transformed when it gets to the final stage. When your heart is turned into a beast, that's it. You cannot be unbeast. There's no unbeast mode. His kingdom was taken away from him for good. Verse 28, and all this came to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Then the king spake and said, is not this great? Now, you might be sitting there today and you say, it's okay, pastor. It's all right. My life is okay. I don't need to repent. All these, one day I'll get to it, but not today. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is telling Daniel. It's okay. Don't burden yourself with this. It's fine. I'll take care of what's going to come to me. Twelve months, one year after Daniel spoke this, this is what happened to the king. The king spake and said, is this great balance? You see, you might go home today and you look at your life and you say, hey, everything is still okay. The pastor said all these things and everything is still okay. Looks like nothing's going to happen. Well, same thing happened with Nebuchadnezzar. He went home. Everything's great. And that I have built 
for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power. He is so taken up with pride. He thinks that he got it all made. For the house of the kingdom of my might and the honor of my majesty. While the words, verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. At the time, at the height of his glory, he thought everything is fine. Just like a lot of you today, God hasn't shown any judgment in my life. It must be okay. My life must be fine. Think about this. This came on the king, Nebuchadnezzar. It certainly will come on all of us, on you and me. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen seven times pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High reigneth in the kingdom of men, and giveth to whomever he will. And the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men, and did eat grass as the oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. His hairs grown like eagles and feathers, his nails like birds and claw. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I beseech the Most High, and I praise and honor him that give forever whose dominion and everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation too late." It was too late. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar was this. And it will happen to you without you knowing it. Because the one facility that you have to recognize this was fundamentally changed. Think about this. Nebuchadnezzar, he has his mind. And what else he has? He has a heart. And when the Bible talks about his heart being changed, it's also talking about the mind, the whole facility. And what is that thing that's changed? His ability to recognize God, like you and I sitting here today. We can still recognize God because we still have our mind and our heart is still tender so that we can understand and listen to the Lord. There will come a time, the Apostle Paul said, when men will not endure sound doctrine. As if you are sitting in this room and what I'm telling you today is so important, but you're just completely tuned out. The reason is your heart has been changed or it's beginning to be hardened, that you cannot listen to sound doctrine anymore. Same thing happened to Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord said that, and he was at the height of his glory when his heart was hardened, changed into a beast. And guess what? Nebuchadnezzar did not know that he's no longer a king, and he's now a beast. He completely unaware of that fact. You will completely shut God off and unable to come to the knowledge of truth because your heart has become hardened. And by that time, nothing, no one will say anything that would be able to touch you because your heart has become hardened. Can an animal be safe? No, it can't because it has no facility to understand God. You have spoken, and I hope you have spoken to people, and their look on you is like, I don't need God. This, this has nothing to do with me. Those people, Sadly to say, their heart has been hardened. My question is, where's your heart? Where's our hearts right now? 
has it come to a place where the word of God can no longer penetrate us? We are no longer convicted. This is the dangerous place to be in, like Nebuchadnezzar. When his heart, when he was turned into an animal, if Daniel came and bowed before this king is now an animal and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, O king, be glorified, your majesty, your kingdom, the animal will look at him and say, Huh? It has no concept. When your heart is closed off, you will no longer recognize God. Be careful. If you speak to a person who has closed off the Lord and living in sin, and you say, your way of life is sinful, is contrary to the Bible, they will use everything in their power to say it ain't so, because their heart is closed off. They will no longer receive the truth. There are so many people that you will come into contact with. Then you tell them their life, they're living contrary to the Bible, and they say, no, it's not, because their heart, their mind, their facility to understand God has been closed off because it's been callous. Judgment comes very sudden, and when that happens, you no longer be able to recognize God. There's an opportunity, though. This is the story to remind us that if Nebuchadnezzar did what Daniel has recommended that he should do, in verse 27, Wherefore, O king, my counsel, this is this counsel, this is my counsel to you. If your heart is being hardened, if your life is being closed off to God, this is my counsel to you today. If you spent all your time, the rest of the other six days closed off to God, listen to this warning. You need to repent. You need to turn back to the Lord. You need to acknowledge God before this heart becomes so hardened that whatever is spoken to you, you will not hear, you will not endure. There will come a time when that happens if you will not heed. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. First of all, break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of your tranquility. The grace of God is given to you at this time. You may be living in peace. You may be living in tranquility, but that time will come to an end. What do we need to do? Two things. Number one, learn righteousness. And number two, practice mercy. Those are the two things that we need to do. What does it mean by learn righteousness? First of all, we don't have righteousness in us. What you deem as good deeds, a filthy rags to God. So don't think that you do all of these sentimental things, philanthropic thing, and you think that that's acceptable to God. It's all wrong. None of those things is acceptable to God. So you see all of these humanitarian efforts of feeding the poor, doing all these things. Those things are good for humanity, but it's not good for you. Those are your own righteousness. You think you do those things and it's acceptable to God. I'm telling you, it's not acceptable to God because it is who that's doing it is important than what is being done. So if you are a son and a daughter of God, you will do those things in honor to God. But if you're not, you're doing it in honor to you. That is pride and that is destructive. But I'm doing all these good things. Well, it's not acceptable to God because who will receive the honor. You will, not God. So break off your sins by righteousness, meaning you have to know and learn righteousness, and righteousness come from your faith in Christ. I live by the faith of Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me, the righteousness that's come from God and not of yourself. Number two, 
you need to seek the Lord while he is found. And how do you seek the Lord? Through studying the word of God, through fasting, through praying. You need to seek the word of God. You need to seek God because there will be a time when you seek him and he cannot be found. This is the time you seek God, he is found, but there will come a time you seek him and he is not found. And the Bible also say, you will pray and he will close off his ears. He will send a cloud of darkness that will prevent your prayers come to him. There is a time when God is receptive and open to you, but there will come a time when that is no longer available to us. So learn righteousness. Learn what it means by the righteousness of God and not our own righteousness. Learn the word of God. Learn the scripture and turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. Nebuchadnezzar said, well, what sin do I have? God said, turn from your sin, the sin of pride, the sins of self-importance. But you and I, we have a lot of sins that we don't need the scripture to tell us we know. Turn from those sins. Break off iniquities by showing mercy. Turn from your sin, meaning repent, and repentance carries an action. And this is how you act in ways to show your repentance, is that you're showing mercy. You cannot show mercy unless you have mercy to show. You cannot dispense mercy unless you have mercy. Have you received mercy from God? Do we recognize that God has been merciful to us? Have you received mercy from God? If you have received mercy from God, then you have mercy to give. A man who owes his master a lot of money, he has nothing to pay. And in the end, the master said, sell his wife, sell his kid to pay for his debt. So he got on his knees and he said, master, forgive me. And then the master did what? Promptly forgive him all his debts. So he received mercy from God, didn't he not? He received mercy from his master. And then immediately, the next verse, he goes out, find his friend who owe him a hundred denarius. And then what he do to his friend? He grabbed him by the throat and said, give me back what you owe me. And his friend did what? He got down on his knee, forgive me. The servant said, no. You might think you are receiving mercy from God, but you actually haven't. Because if you have received mercy from God, then you have mercy to give. The servant never received mercy. He never acknowledged God was merciful to him. So he had nothing to give when the time comes that he needs to show mercy. That is what mercy is. Have you received, have you acknowledged the mercy that you receive from the Lord? Because when you do, then you will have mercy to give. Have you received mercy from God? You might have received a lot of blessings but have we received mercy from God? It's very tangible, it's very concrete. And if you have, then you will show mercy. Then one day you show up here at church and we're not here, you know exactly what to do because you have received mercy. But you might be sitting here and receive nothing even though you nod your head and you smile and you praise the Lord and then when we're not here, we're no longer here, you have nothing to give. We need to take away from the story of Nebuchadnezzar because in the end, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 37, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven whose works are truth and his ways and judgment. He turned back into a man, but it was too late. My encouragement to you is this. Read. It's not just reading. It's not because I tell you to read. Come to the Lord and say, God, why is it so difficult for me to study your word? Help me. Pray. Fast. 
find your time in the Lord. These are the things that should convict you, and you should come to the Lord not because I'm telling you to do it. I am encouraging you to do it, but I want to push you to the place where you come to before the Lord and say, God, I want this to be honey on my lips. I want your word to be more than those games that I play, more than those things that I put all my efforts and all my time in. I want that to be my life. Help me. That is where I want to push you to. And when you come to that place, God will begin to speak to you. And you will no longer be Nebuchadnezzar, but you actually will turn and become like Belteshazzar, like Daniel. You will interpret dreams. You will stand up here. You will stand wherever you are and minister. That's what we want you to be. Lord, I come to you and ask, Lord God, that your grace and your mercy is extended. You said that you are not snack concerning what you have promised, but that you are waiting for us to come and repent and turn back to you. So I ask today, Lord God, as the words I spoke, your word that comes through my mouth, be a conviction, be acceptable in the ears of those who hear your word today. And I pray, Lord God, that they will come to you in prayer and in supplication, in a contriteness of their heart and ask of you, God, have mercy on me. Change my heart and cause me to have this fundamental shift in my thinking, in my heart, in my prospect, that I will come to you and begin to ask, God, give me the desire for your word. Give me the uh, desire. Help me open my mind, my heart, so that I can see the visions that you have for me and for others, Lord God. Help me to turn away from my sins. Help me, Lord God, that the repentance that's on my lips be sincere and honest. Help me, Lord, that I would learn and hold your word so clear, dear to my heart and practice it. And help me, Lord God, to not only receive but recognize the mercy that I have received from you so that I can extend the same mercy, Lord God, to those who are so in need of your mercy. Lord, help us as a body, as, as we grow, as we become mature, help us, Lord God, that we live in honor to you and in praising to you, not just from our lips, Lord God, but from the heart of worship. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.